Welcome to the Focus on Christ podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And I think we're on a, still on a mission. We are still on a mission to help you focus on Christ. <laughs> Mike did a, uh, told John to do a sound check is what he's laughing at <laughs> and uh, make a clap. And John has a hard time clapping. Well, I don't know what happened. I thought it was a perfectly good clap, you know. And Jack, Mike's over there convulsing. So, anyway. Well, you know, we, uh, we, we beat this thing like a dead horse and it's just not, uh, because we need, I need this constant reminder about focusing on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, but one of the things I, I wanted to talk about today is why is it so important? Why do we need to focus on Christ? Oh my goodness. Uh, a lot of reasons you go a lot of directions. Right. I don't think there's necessarily something wrong. I think you could just, you know, do lots of sermons on that. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the ways that I kind of went. You could do a whole podcast. You could on probably that. do several podcasts. You know? <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, you you shared a scripture with me from mm-hmm. one of your devotional guides, and it really got me going. It was out of First Peter chapter two. Uh, and I think you were going at verse nine, mm-hmm. right? And uh, verse nine says, but you are not like that. Uh, and then it says all of the things that you are because of the grace of God and your faith, trust in him. And uh, so what it made me do is it made me jump back up a few verses uh, because that starts, they, they, uh, you are not like that. Like what? And, uh, you know, what exactly is he talking about before he goes into the aspect there of living an authentic life, of being a chosen people, what you are? And uh, I think what he's saying here, the direction I would go is uh, we focus on Christ because we're building and we're not destroying. And a lot of actions that people do and a lot of lifestyles that people live are very destructive, to themselves, you know, to their family, friends, people around them. So rather than living a destructive life or being destructive, uh, let us build, let us be positive. And the way to do that is through your faith and acceptance of Jesus Christ. Because as you live your life for him, becoming more like him, then you will do the things that will build positive things in your life. And uh, if you do not obey the Lord or trust in him, uh, then you, the Bible says here just before this passage in, in verse nine, that you will stumble over him. Mm-hmm. He is the chief cornerstone and in the building is living stones. Living stones is the pure lives, the holy lives of his people. Holy lives are ours because of the grace of God, because he has given us through our faith uh, this, this new life. So it's building this life uh, that is, is very positive. So then, if you have trusted in Christ, you're a living stone, you're building up the body of Christ, if you're building up positive things in your life, then look what happens. Uh, you, be, you, you do this because you are a chosen people. Uh, that's, that's the first mm-hmm. thing. Uh, a chosen people. That's, that's grace, brother, uh, that even before uh, I was born, uh, he chose me. Um, anyone who uh, has placed their trust in Christ has been chosen by God. It's not something that we did. 
is not something that, that we found. It was that he chose us, that he found us, that he offers us his grace. So uh, that, that's just an amazing thing that we are a chosen people. Then the second thing he says, jump in there if you want to add to this, but you are a, ro a royal priest or a royal priesthood. Um, that means that uh, you have direct access to God and uh, you can bring people to Christ. You are now an ambassador for Christ, uh, reaching out to others to bring them to him, to become a living stone, to be a part of this royal priesthood. Then we are a holy nation, he says, and uh, then God's very own possession. We are God's special possession. So uh, that means that we are dearly loved. God loves us. He, he chooses us and he loves us and makes us a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people. Why? So that we might declare the praises of uh, him who made us and he chose us. That's what kind of uh, that first Peter thing says. Uh, let me read it. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the faith that was planned for them. But you are not like that. You're a chosen people. You trusted in Christ. Mm -hmm. You're a royal priest. You're a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So that is one direction you could go on. Why focus on Christ? Because he brings you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Uh, to be, live an authentic life and uh, to build, to build something wonderful and to build into others' lives. So I love that, Jack. Yeah. Um, I especially love the, the whole concept that, you know, we need to build and not destroy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jesus, um, wow, when the time when he came and, um, you know, he was rejected by the Jewish leaders of the time um, because well, he was a threat to them. He was an affront to them. He was a stumbling block to them because they had built their religion on the idea that we don't need grace. We don't honestly really need God because, yeah, even though we have the sacrifices, even though we have the Day of Atonement, we have the law. Mm -hmm. And we can follow this thing to the letter to the point that we're, you know, tithing our time and cumin and the spices. And, you know, we pray loud and in public and we do all of these things to show how religious we are. And Jesus says, you know, that I'm the stone mm -hmm. that you builders rejected. And, you know, when you're getting ready to build a house or anything, <clears throat> where do you start? Well, I mean, first you start with a plan. Well, the plan was this. God intended these things before the creation of the mm -hmm. world. He, what does uh, Ephesians 2.10 say? Uh, 8 and 9 we know, for it is by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves is a gift of God lest anyone should boast, for we are created for what? In Christ Jesus for his workmanship. For his right? workmanship, for good works that we would do, mm -hmm. right? Right. 
And so that that's uh, the, the that's NLT, kind of the plan. The NLT says it this way: His for, workmanship. For we are God's masterpiece. Yeah. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. There you go. So that we can do right. the good things He planned so, for us long ago. So you start with a plan. You start with the blueprint. Right. Okay. But then the next thing that happens is. The foundation. And what's the foundation? Well, he's the foundation. Yeah, Jesus is the foundation. And so here, Peter, when he's talking to, um, when he's writing this letter to the the Jews that are believers who are scattered, um, you know, so these are folks that, well, they're not accepted, period. Because number one, they don't line up with the the Jewish religious leaders, and number two, they're mm-hmm. foreigners mm-hmm. because these are the, the, the Christian Jews that are scattered. All right. That's who he's, he's written it to. Um, he says, I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of, and he lists it all. God, the father knew you and chose you long ago and his mm-hmm. spirit made you holy and so forth. But then he comes back into this. And so when he's talking about this, he's, they understand what he's talking about when he's talking about the cornerstone, mm-hmm. the capstone. Um, and he says, and you are living stones. So not not only is it God that's that's building, but what what's his building material? Yeah. Flesh, <laughs> human flesh. We're the building material. <laughs> but what yeah. we are becoming uh, is the eternal spiritual temple. Right. The, the eternal temple of God. And that that that's kind of the phraseology they would understand the cornerstone and stones that build a temple in which they came and worshiped and uh, came into the presence of god once in a while Uh, but what we become is we become a part of the temple to where we are constantly in the presence of the chief cornerstone which is a part of the building part of the whole thing he's the head in one place in colossians chapter one uh, Paul says that he is the head of the church. Mm-hmm. And here he says he is now the foundation. He is the chief cornerstone, uh, the rock that uh, holds it all together. He's uh, described as the cornerstone and the capstone. And the capstone, which yeah. is uh, when you're doing a, uh, an arch, you, you put certain kind of uh, triangular rocks what, and they yeah. come up like this when you get to the top. You turn the rock upside, and that's the capstone right. that holds the arch together. It's my understanding. No, absolutely. That. It's it's fun. It, you know, I watched a video recently of these guys building uh, an archway, like in a garden or something like that. And, of course, you have to brace that thing up to oh, hold yeah. it in place, and then you drop that stone in there. And then you take away the The, 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 the braces or yeah, whatever braces, you got. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a nifty type of architecture, but yeah, he comes full circle because he's the foundation and the thing that and the thing that holds all. it all together. Right? Yeah, that's right. awesome. So, well, I think it's amazing that we're part of this eternal spiritual temple that uh, God is building, and 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 that's what this Peter thing is just saying over and over again. Uh, I think verses eleven through seventeen. Then, you know, as you move on of. Uh, Chapter two, mm-hmm. this is talking about being authentic because it talks about three things. It talks about since 
Christ did this for you since he has loved you so much. And I think that love is the major um, uh, thing in my life that uh, kind of affects me and makes me want to be his child, his mm -hmm. loving, obedient child. And that's what he's saying. Because of his grace, because of his love, and because he has given you freedom, freedom from sin, freedom in Christ, then you are now part of a servanthood where you now serve him. And uh, obviously you serve him by um, loving the family of God, other believers, by fearing God, and very practically, and we'll read it in a second, by being a good citizen, by honoring mm -hmm. the king. Uh, you know, so, but let me just, can I do that? Is do it, it. Can we do that? So uh, verses 11 through 17 uh, of First Peter 2, once again, talks about being authentic. Yeah, let me find it. I'm flipping all you over. You want me to just read it? Yeah, go ahead. All right. I got it now. Go ahead. Dear friends, and this is again from the NLT, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Uh, then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So by being good, by, you know, by living this kind of authentic life, it silences foolish people, I would say, mm -hmm. um, who would demean you and then your life lives out. I want to tell a quick story on that, Jack, because um, one of the things that, that Ajay told us about their mission is um, this group that was protesting them went to the police. I'm talking about uh, Ajay Lal and Central India Christian Mission. So these Hindu extremists were stop, trying to stop what they were doing. So they go to the, the chief of police and they said, um, we need you to um, stop what these people are doing. Um, we need you to arrest them um, because they're not good for our community. They're going against what we believe. And the chief of police says, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I think that's a good idea. He said, I need you to do something for me. Um, and if you do this, I will, uh, I will arrest them. And they said, what is it? You tell us what to do. And he says, I want you to go to this village. And it's a, a village of a lower caste. Mm -hmm. And these people are the untouchables. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, I want you to go and take food uh, to those people. He said, I want you to provide health services for this group over here. Um, I want you to provide uh, vitamins and medication and nutrition for these people over here. And he was saying all of these the things, things that, Central that, India that mission the mission is doing. was doing. Right. He said, when you do all of those things, I will go and arrest them. And the men left without another word. Yeah. Number one, they didn't want to do that. Probably yeah. they didn't have any so, inclination. That really fits with yeah, even if that's they good. accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. And I, that was that's just amazing. Okay, I'll you keep going. Move on. So First um, Peter 2, and now we're in verse 13. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. 
there's a whole bunch of sermons just right there yeah. in that verse. <laughs> um, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. That is just so very, very practical. Yeah. The Bible is just filled with amazing teachings, amazing truths. But if you want to have a good, true, authentic, building type of life, you have it right there. Just take that out, get you a piece of paper, and write down one, two, three, do this, do this, do this, do this. If you do that every day, then you live an authentic lifestyle. When we were little kids, you know, we used to sing that, that song. Uh, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Okay. And then, the, of course, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And then the rains came down, the floods came up. The house on the rock stood firm, but the house built on the sand, you know, it's washed that's right. away. And that's what we're talking about when, when we're talking about Jesus as our foundation. Hmm. Because if you... You know, back to the house building analogy, if you start without a plan and then you start building without a foundation, what's going to happen to that house? What's that house going to look like? It's not going to be a place you'd want to buy or a place that you'd want to live. I mean, it's, it reminds me a lot of some of the places that I've seen in India and Haiti and Honduras and other other parts of the world where basically it's just a well, it's a shack that's just thrown together and the one storm's all it would take. <laughs> Wipe that thing out. Because there's no foundation and the house is just not built solid. And I think I'm listening to you. Um, where I live is thinking about grandchildren and the mm -hmm. next generation. And you think about the next generation, you think, how important it is to live an authentic life here like this so that you can be an example to those children, to the next generation that's coming up. Uh, because there are so many things that are out in this world that are uh, and kind of um, in, enticing, you know, to, uh, to, to children and to young people. And uh, some of these things can literally destroy the life. Um, and, and it's very, very true. Um, you know, drugs, alcohol addiction. I, I think that one of the things that people need to know uh, that I would share is there is an amazing addiction ministry here at Mount mm -hmm. Gilead Christian Church. And if you have someone in your home or house or your friend or your neighbor or whatever that has an addiction, uh, there are people here in this very church that would help you uh, immensely. And it's such a wonderful, amazing program uh, where like a hundred people come every week to this, to this ministry, really, to where they're working through their addictions. And um, they're trying to build a foundation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got there, you're talking about a house that's collapsed. Mm -hmm. It's just falling in on itself because there is no foundation there. And so they come here to try and find that grounding, that that place to start, place to start rebuilding your life. And you do it, you build it on Jesus. 
yeah, someone close to a family member, a young, early 20-something, um, crushed up a pill that uh, she shouldn't have crushed up and snuffed up in her nose and immediately went into um, foaming at the mouth, uh, no breathing, had to call. 911, they came, took her to the hospital, just worked through that to where she finally gained consciousness again and came out of it and asked where she was and how she got there and then began to get brutal as far as toward the people that were trying to help her, the nurses, the doctors, mm-hmm. and uh, then denied, you know, what sent her there. And uh, just on and on and on it goes. And I just thought how sad mm-hmm. that someone that gives themselves to the, the, the issue of drugs, cocaine, whatever, you know, you can find to get a high, um, needs compassion, needs love. He's help. He's focus. That's what Jesus came for. He came for all of us. He died for all those sins, and it's very difficult for us, I think. And a lot of times Christians look at people like that with judgment rather than with love. And and one of the things that you were talking about was seeing people through the eyes of Christ instead of through your own eyes. You look at someone with judgment and with disgust. Jesus looks at them with love and with grace. And... uh, that's, I think, what this is talking about as we strive to be like Christ and live this kind of a lifestyle. The, the other thing I think that folks need when, when they're in that kind of situation, um, it's important not to be judgmental. Um, it's, I important not, it's important Tell, not I mean, to be harsh, but, but what not, they need yeah. is also Some tough love, is maybe. they need honesty. Yeah. And I don't just mean the external honesty. But they need to be honest with themselves mm-hmm. because when somebody is trapped in a, a lifestyle that that is destructive and, and that they, they know deep inside it is, um, there's a real tendency, um, it's, it's a normalcy really, to be dishonest about that or even to lie about it. You know, we, we talk about the story with Jesus and the woman at the well a lot uh, because it's so foundational and such an important story. But one of the things that happens there, and, you know, Jesus doesn't start right in with her and he, and he never beats her over the head with, with her sin, but he is honest about her. And when does he bring up that, that honesty? It's when she says, I don't have a husband and then he says the truth that, well, you don't have a husband now, but you've had husbands before, and the man that you're living with now is not your husband. Um, the biggest problem when folks fall into addiction is telling themselves, one, I, what, I'm not an addict, or um, I don't have a problem. I can control or, this. Yeah, or this is somebody else's problem. Right. Or in that case, flat out, hey, I didn't use anything. Right. Um, well, what I thought of, and there's an interesting phrase in the parable of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. And I, it, it kind of came to my memory, and I wanted to make sure uh, that I was true in my memory, because sometimes you can't trust my memory. Um, but listen to this phrase 
Uh, in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15, it says, but when he came to himself, prior to that, it says in verse eight, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So he, this is a guy at the end of his rope that really has nowhere to look but up, right? And that's when that phrase is said, but when he came to himself. I, I don't know what you think of or you folks think of when you think of that phrase, he came to himself. How many of us need to come to ourselves? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, be honest with ourselves, focus in on who we really are. Look at the sin in your heart. What has that done? And when you see yourself as you truly are, it's a brutal thing. It really is. It's a brutal thing. It, it will break you down. Uh, and it will um, hopefully cause you to, to turn to God because he is always there. He is always there waiting for people to come to themselves. And what this young man did, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, I have sinned against heaven and you. That's the repentance of, in the heart, I believe, of the prodigal son who came to himself to say that and then to do that, to go to the father. And the father, waiting for him all along, ran to the son, forgave him and gave him back his inheritance. So, you know, I think that a lot of, the, a lot of people, a lot of us need to come to ourselves. Very true. Look, look at who we true. really are. The thing that sticks with me right now about that story is that when he came to himself and he rose up and he said, I will go to my father. The thing that's so important about that is he had essentially disowned his father. Right. And we've talked about this because in that culture, what would normally happen if you asked your father to give you your inheritance, you're saying, I wish you were dead. I just need the money now. I don't care anything about you. I wish you were dead. Give me what's mine. Um, and, and then I'll be out of your hair. And what would happen is that son would be written off. Well, the, he, they would have his funeral. Right. He, and he'd be kicked out yeah. of the family. He wouldn't be getting any inheritance. Right. He wouldn't be leaving. So here he is. He's rejected his father. He's taken the inheritance. He's squandered the inheritance. And now he realizes, no. He is my father. And, and I, I think that he father. knew the characteristics of yeah. the father. He knew the yeah. love and the forgiveness that was always in the heart of his father. And so it was a natural thing to go back to him. So when, when you think that you've done something that's gone too far, I, I'm too far from God. I've, <laughs> I've fallen down too many times. I've, I've come to the end of my rope and this is it. Um, no, it's not, because he is still your loving Father in heaven, and he, Jesus is still your foundation. When it all comes crashing down, you don't even have to do the rebuilding. You just have to surrender, because you're not the builder. You're one of the living stones. <laughs> you're, a, you're a building material, and God could take your life and rebuild on his foundation. I always try to remember and think about where you, where you came from mm-hmm. uh, so that you can always be grateful that God took you where you were 
and he made you a chosen people, a holy nation, uh, a, a royal priesthood, uh, giving praise to God and being able to live this life of freedom and this life of obedience and humility and love. And um, it's amazing what God does. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we just appreciate you being here. Thanks for letting somebody else know that you've listened and gotten something out of it. And we'll see you next time.